You are listening to Songhez Omabekwe on SAFM. Just before we get into tonight's conversation, I do remind you to keep listening to this conversation and the conversations after because at any given time, the SAFM 85 birthday jingle will go. That's normally a sign for you to get ready. Listen out for it. If you're required to call, do so. If you're required to SMS, do so as well. A thousand rand gift voucher is available for one lucky listener this evening. Anyway, 2013 is the time. Ms. Fredericks, good evening. Thanks for joining us. Good evening, Sangezo, and good evening to your listeners. Well, here we are again. We meet formally in the BMF circles and spaces, but right now tonight mm-hmm. you and I are broadcasters. Tell us how you feel and what can we look forward to in the conversations that you will have later this evening with Bonang Mohale as well as Busima Vuso. Thanks, Angeza. So um, I think from a BMS Women Empowerment Desk perspective, um, and I think, you know, definitely speaking for black women in general, what we're interested in is succession planning that is deliberate, um, succession planning that speaks to opening spaces for women. Um, and, you know, having worked and, and served under Mkati um, Mohali as the company secretary during his tenure and having worked with um, his, uh, Busi Mabuso, who is the previous MD of the Black Management Forum, um, you know, very closely. It, it's, it's such an interesting story um, when you listen to the journey um, that, um, that Busi makes um, at her current position at the LSM. This is not to say that, um, you know, she... She, she specifically gets it because she responds, but I think that's part of the process. But the fact is, you know, once the door is opened to women, um, we are then on our own. But, but that doesn't mean that the environment must discontinue from being supportive and enabling. Um, so, I, you know, the, the interview with um, my panelists, my esteemed panelists, will be around issues of succession planning. Um, it will be around issues of the advancement of um, you know, uh, gender equality. Um, I mean, if we look at it uh, from from a global perspective, it is a 2030 Sustainable Development Goal. We need to close the gap of gender inequality. Forget the, the inequality that we face as South Africans, uh, both male and female. Mm. On the gender equality front, it's not a South African issue. It's a global issue. Um, and, and that is exacerbated by, by, by many things. Um, and I mean, I could go on and on, but you were asking me what the debate was going or the discussion was going to be, and I was trying just to give the listeners um, sort of, you know, just a teaser in terms of what to expect. You certainly don't become deputy president of the BMF without being able to speak, and that is true for you, as it is for many people who have occupied that position and one up. And we'll talk about the position one up to the one you occupy right now in a short while. But for those who don't know to whom I'm talking, the BMF is the Black Management Forum, and Tasneem Fredericks is its deputy president. She is also a director of the law firm Fredericks Incorporated. She gained extensive experience in the drafting of memoranda of incorporations and advising on the direction of compliance issues related to the Companies Act. Lots of scope still to be done insofar as it relates to corporate governance in this country. Tasneem, of course, was the first black female attorney appointed as part of the professional team 
to assist the taxi industry negotiating on the Integrated Public Transport System, IPTS, with Nelson Mandela Bay Municipality in a largely male-dominated taxi industry. And we will recall, certainly, what, 12, 13 years ago, it was a very hot topic given the fact that it was done in preparation of the Soccer World Cup. But, of course, you wouldn't expect, and they did not just yield for the sake of it, would the taxi industry, as they've been come come known in this country to certainly stand their ground on certain issues. But your work in the legal field, Tasneem, spans well over 15 years. Commercial law, conveyancing, labor, as well as notarial practice. You've got the experience in terms of exposure to corporate South Africa in the truest sense, and that probably lends itself to how then you can make the sorts of impact that you have touched on in the black management forum and in the broader spaces of society, particularly in context of women empowerment at large. Ms. Fredericks. Hi, Sandeza. Yeah, I'm just trying to connect on Zoom um, with the background. With the background. Sorry, I'm going to... What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Um, shall we just sort the site quickly, please? I don't know what's going on. Wherever the issue might be, I beg your pardon to the listeners for that. I'll obviously reflect back on the question as we try and sort this matter out. Shall we just take a short, very short ad break so that we can sort this out, please? The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. on SAFM. Yeah, we are back, and I just wish to confirm that we had a slight technical issue that has since been taken care of, and we proceed with the interview. And let's proceed with each other. This is probably my penultimate question to Tasneem, because at about 25 past this evening, she will take over and engage Professor Bonang Mohale, President of Business Unity South Africa, as well as the CEO of Business Leadership South Africa, that is Ms. Wusi Mavusa, talking about, among other things, succession planning in corporate South Africa with a particular focus with women empowerment. And in the context of women empowerment, let's have a conversation with the work and exposure that Tasneem has had in the 14-plus years in her law work in her law firm and the exposure she has had in male-dominated industries, for instance, the taxi industry. Your work, Tasneem, certainly does lend itself well to the fact that you would see where the corporate stumbling blocks are for the necessary transformation, both from just purely white organizations to organizations that resemble the South African demographic, and in the context of demographic as well, the balance... Name, you got that? Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, look, Sangeza, I think it's important that, um, you know, as women, uh, black women in particular, we acknowledge, um, you know, where we come from and we recognize and celebrate the milestone of the 20,000 women in 1956. Um, you know, and, 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 and what really, you know, gives me hope in, in an otherwise hopeless world is the fact that that is a milestone, but it doesn't equate to liberation of women. So there's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of, you know, there's this glass ceiling. There's a lot of barriers to entry for women. Mm. And um, being the only woman in the room, I must say, I mean, if we've learned anything from the unions in South Africa or, or globally, it's that there is a power in number. So 
for 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 women who are in boardrooms black women in particular you know if they are the first one to occupy um that space and and they're the only one they must actually be embarrassed we should be embarrassed if we are the only woman in a boardroom we shouldn't want to be the only rose amongst the thorns because that is not going to give us power um we need more we need to amplify the voice of of women it's not that women don't have a voice it's that we need to amplify it and i've often found um you know in these spaces um it's not it's not always a case of um you know a a pet well it's either case of of a paternalistic view where men see you as you know this little flower that's delicate so they want to protect you um so there's that paternal um, aspect if it well yeah, let's leave it at that. Um, there could be other reasons as well, yeah, sure. um, but 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 or they um, they just totally disregard you. You know, it, it becomes an, a sexism issue where um, you know you'll be sitting in a boardroom or you'll make a suggestion in your workplace, and um, you know your male colleague repeats the exact same thing that you know that you said and everybody goes wow that's such a brilliant idea and and you you know you you kind of almost have those moments of insanity where you're like but i just said that like did nobody hear me say that um so you know it's 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 a whole journey in terms of you know um and and it's quite interesting because when you read um books by um when you read the book for example by Sisnolita Fakude who is the, who, who is a who was the the first and only mm. president of the BMF I mean it's embarrassing as an organization for me to make the statement on national radio but I you know we must address the elephant in the room and we must have these frank conversations um so in her book you know she she um it's, it's transformation stories um from a corporate activist um, she speaks about incidences that happened in the 1980s where she'd attend board meetings and she would not be, um, when she was at Woolworths, she would not be given uh, copies of the minutes of, of, of the meeting. Um, and, and we understand that the dimension there was, of course, you know, the whole apartheid thing where blacks were seen as inferior to whites. But what, what's interesting about the book and many books that are coming out is that those challenges um, we still face as women. Um, it's it's not a it's not a historical event in the sense that a certain amount of time has passed and now things are better. Um, if we look at things like the uh, Commission of I mean studies um, that come out every year, for example, like the Commission on Employment Equity, um, you know there's, there's still a lot of educational and and employment equity um, amongst Black African and Black coloured women because they are at the same levels of income and education. You know, and then there's the issue of equal pay for equal work. We all know that, you know, that's not specifically disclosed. So, I mean, the the, the larger raging debate is obviously that white people get paid more than black people. So so both genders. Um, and then, then within that debate, there's mm, that mm. black women get paid the least. Like, you know, uh, for example, a casual, a casual worker will earn 37% less than a casual male. Uh, which you know, there's no basis for that because we don't pay 37% less for a, for a for a loaf of bread. We're not paying 37% less uh, for any other item that anyone else is buying. So there's that, you know, irrational basis for getting paid less. Um, yeah, it's just an irrational basis. And then, of course, you know, we have teenage pregnancy and gender-based violence, which also hinders progress um, for Black women in particular. And and these are issues that we we seriously need to um, we need to consider. Yeah. We need to ask ourselves, you know, how. And and, and I want to say to Sungizo, I don't have to 
I don't have to have a solution to ask a question. Sure. And I think that's a perception. You know, sometimes the questions are actually more important than the answers because it it assists you in formulating. Exactly. You know, and and what is our problem statement? And if we don't have a clear problem statement, what, what is the answer that we're wanting to give? You know, what is it that we're wanting to address when we don't even know what it is? That we're asking, so the ask is is important, and I think it's it's as e- it's equally important, um, you know, as 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 saying, you know, if I don't vote, do I not have a right to criticize the government? Absolutely not. You're born in South Africa, you're a citizen. Voting or not voting doesn't make you. And I'm not anti-voting. I'm just saying that um, there's this notion that yes. you don't have a say if you haven't done a particular thing. Um, and I, and I think from a BMS perspective, I want to also just um, highlight. You know that we have a litigation fund uh, alongside the woman empowerment desk we've got a smme desk we obviously have a policy and research committee because we're an advocacy group largely so we look at you know making input into legislation and we you know i've personally worked under bbc um on the national minimum wage and that was a three-year journey uh where you know there's this kind of golden triangle in in south africa uh between government labor and 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 corporate and, and basically, they ran the show. Um, so, you know, govern pandas to the needs of, of, of these two, you know, when they need votes, when they need investments. But they, they kind of overlook professionals, um, you know, like, like BMF um, in terms of our role. And, 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 and oftentimes, we have to, to get government's attention, we have to litigate. I mean, we took Mango to court because it's, it's unthinkable that as a black uh, professional, you have to have like five degrees with an MBA, and you still, you you know oh, that 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 doesn't secure you the job. Like, yeah. <laughs> thank you. So um, you know the case, um, and and then you get a white person that's a you know barely a matriculant getting a CEO position. Part of running the problem the with that his name is the fact that Nico Bezaydeno did not put himself there. He he was sponsored, and he was sponsored by our own, our very own. And I don't know what that speaks to insofar as it relates to inferiority complex to the extent that you can have a Pravin Gordon who presides as the Minister of Trade and Industry, I mean of public enterprises, who ultimately would have a say to whatever extent on that. And, and it is allowed to happen more especially with these socioeconomic problems that we have in the, in, 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 in the times where these conversations are taking place, have been taking place, and are so much more urgent now than they've ever been in the history of the country, we are probably also need to lock ourselves, ourselves obviously being the African, black, colored Indian communities in a room and be like, guys, we need a template from which we work that is going to be applied universally because we can't be fighting this battle on the one hand and yet within, the enemy is within. Wasn't it Har- um, Harriet Tubman who said that if she had a gun and she had to get rid of people, the first people she would get rid of are those within the camp who side with the enemy before we go for the enemy. The self-hating blacks. As it were, yeah, the Uncle Toms of the world. Look, um, we could talk among ourselves indefinitely. You mentioned the fact that one can ask a question without necessarily having an answer to it. And in addressing the elephant in the room to which you made reference to, especially using Nolita Fagode as an example, it's probably time then that changes, right? You're one away from that change. Nolita Fagode, might there be an MS as the title for the next president? of the Black Management Forum. You don't have to answer that question. You don't have to answer it ever. The question remains, 
and time will give us that answer. After this very short ad break then, Tasneem, it is your show, and I look forward to your insights with your guests. By the account of things, it promises to be riveting. For those who are joining online and wherever you are in the world and in this country, please, please, please do me this favor. Engage, Tasneem. Engage, Bonang. Engage, Ms. Um, Mavuso, because this is as good a time to engage the questions and issues that the black professionals are engaging, particularly women professionals are engaging. And for whatever reason, if you want to take issue with the BMF, any of these organizations, Business Unity South Africa, Business Leadership South Africa, you've got three very senior members of those organizations. It doesn't get better than that, and it's delivered here on The Viewpoint. After the break, let's get going. on SAFM. Tasneem, this is your show, and this is where you start speaking. I do confirm that Mr. Professor Dr. Bonang Mohale is on the line. He's the president of Business Unity South Africa. Shout out to you, Ndate Mohale, but I am not your host. Tasneem is. My dear so, brother, yeah, thank you the... for having me. Thank you so much. Welcome, welcome, and congratulations, Ntati Mohali, on your current. Um, well, I think it's a, it's a. What was it yesterday uh, that you were appointed as the president of of Busa and um, as BMF? Um, we have sent out a congratulatory note. Um, and I don't know. I know you on an, on a previous interview. Um, you know, Sungeza had made important points around what I consider to be, um, you, you know, a, a unified black identity. Um, and I think that is that has been an issue amongst business for a very long time. Um, and you would know the history better than anyone else, uh, both from a, a, you know, being involved with BBC right from the beginning when they joined BUSA and then also in 2012 when BMF and other you know, black organizations uh, broke away from Busa and then formed BBC. And and now, you know, I, I think it's going to be quite interesting um, to see whether we can pick up that conversation again in terms of, you know, when um, government meets with business and they see uh, six people in the room and they're all black, but the blacks are saying, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm black, but I'm from this organization of business uh, representing, you know, uh, you know, whatever it is that they are. And then, you know, so, so it's quite confusing um, to be in a room <laughs> of, 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 of black business leaders. And, and there's this, you know, there's no real meeting of the minds in terms of a sense of where are we going as a nation, you know, the bigger, bigger aspect. So um, welcome. And I know that was a mouthful. Um, my name is Tasneem Fredericks, for those who have just joined. And I am doing the Takeover Tuesday, uh, where I am basically um, just, uh, you know, um, taking the mic away from Sungezo and taking over his show. Um, it's just for today, so I'm sure he won't mind. So Ntati uh, Mohali, welcome. Um, if you want to make a few introductory remarks, then please do so. Tasneem, you know that when you call, I literally drop everything. And of course, I love Songezo with all my heart. I just love the way his mind works. So you raised an important issue of business unity, a single apex organization. So in the interest of South Africa Inc., BUSA and the Black Business Council have made great strides in forging a working partnership on various key areas affecting business. 
key among these was the Memorandum of Understanding signed by Busan BBC to maintain a single business caucus at Netflix, with the BBC participating in that caucus. Because uh, Busa fired uh, the then BBC, whose leadership had made it clear that they are there to aid and abet state capture. So in the area of SME supply and market development, Busa also entered into a cooperation agreement with the BBC and the United Nations Development Program. So Busa also had various engagements with your organization, my DP, uh, the Black Management Forum, and NASCOC, the oldest black organization, with a view to finding the best model to ensure a unified and inclusive APEX APEX business organization. So I'm glad that you started there. So we are lucky because BBC has new leadership. Busa has the new leadership in the form of Adrian Gore and myself, only elected yesterday afternoon. And the BMF, I know, is going to facilitate that we get around the table. In principle, we have agreed to to reformat and reform Busa um, and I think when the new leadership of BBC uh, can signal, I'm going to literally drop everything to make sure that we bring business unity in 2021. Over to you, Tess. Thanks, Ntati Mohali. I'm, 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 very, I'm very happy to hear that because I think part of the BMF, as you very well know, um, if you look at the BMF DNA, it speaks to a patriotic South African and therefore a committed partner to nation building. And it certainly doesn't help. It's not nation building if we're going to be, um, you know, black people in the country that are divided. Um, I think it's bad enough when, or rather, I find it rather condescending when white people uh, speak about stronger together, you know, and they are the beneficiaries of privilege. Because if we look at affirmative action, uh, when it was first adopted, it was adopted by the Afrikaners in um you know, in the 1980s and even earlier, affirmative action was uh, implemented in the United States. And, and this was, you know, basically um, to, 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 to advance a certain community. So, I mean, apartheid is, is a program of separation. I think it's done a very good job because black people are even still. So the segregation that happened in the 1950s and the forced removals still exists. I mean, as an architect of apartheid, Pavut must be smiling in his grave because he's really succeeded um, in terms of, of that program perpetuating itself and inequalities and poverty and unemployment rising uh, amongst the black demographic, um, um, you know, in South Africa. Um, so, so, so for me, um, it would be to say, you know, how do, you know, how, how do we come together? And, and you've already given us a single a signal in terms of how that is, is meant to happen. So I'm very happy um, to hear that. Um, but I just want to know, has, has, has Busi joined us yet? Um, is she not on the show yet? Okay. So, Ntati Mali, are you in? Oh, welcome. Welcome, Busi. Um, Busi, so I'm, I'm so happy that you're here. I'm so happy that, you know, the three of us are together on a show. This is like... Um, I don't know. This is like a dream come true. Um, I feel like I've I've lived and and this has made my year. I can start December tomorrow because um, I'm just so excited and so happy to have the right people in the room. And you know, Busi, having worked so closely um, with you, I, I think it's important that you give the listeners an opportunity. I don't want to be the one to introduce you. I think let me allow you to um, you know that sense of self determination that women are often denied. Um, you say who you are. Tell us, tell us about your journey, um, and and I think you can link that um, to 
you know, uh, who we have on, on, on aid tonight as well. Yeah. Tez, thank you very much. And, and, and good evening once again. And thank you very much for inviting me. And thank you to my leader, my president at Business Unity South Africa, Rebo Nang Mohale. So, um, Tez, I agree with everything that you have said. And, um, and, and, and I absolutely resonate with your sentiments. Not only do I, do I resonate with them, I, I share in your sentiments. So, uh, as you have said, my name is Busima Vuso, and I'm the CEO of Business Leadership South Africa, where I have now been at the helm for the past two years. And uh, I'm glad that you chose to talk on this topic, you know, of women's succession, uh, especially in business. You know, we find ourselves in an environment that is seriously limiting, seriously limiting because the face of leadership especially in the corporate South Africa that we find ourselves in, continues to be white and male. So if you don't have leaders like Reb Nang Mohani, who are very deliberate and intentional about sponsoring my succession and my ascension to being the CEO of Business Leadership South Africa, it goes without saying that a lot of us are not going to get that chance. But as you and I know that it didn't start here. You know, Remo Hale started sponsoring us and being very deliberate about our success back in the PMF, you know, when he would trust you and I as the MD and the company secretary, you know, to lead certain projects, you know, and you could see that he was intentional about, you know, this leadership in the making, you know, this exposure that you require, you know, if you're going to be an effective leader. Because if you are not thrust into these situations, then unfortunately it's not enough to learn these things from a book as it were. And then not only do you need to be trusted, you actually need to be handheld and be shown the ropes. You know, and once you have actually been uh, sufficiently guided and coached, then you are actually in a position to actually, you know, take it from there and do what you're supposed to do. So it's clear, therefore, to me, it says that what, ma- what most of us require is half a chance. And we often never get that. And normally if we are given that half a chance, you know, you would see that a lot of us can be more or could have been more. Because you see, as Malcolm Gladwell says in his book, Outlier, Sometimes even the most gifted of us cannot escape the limitations of our environment. And let's be honest and say that the environment that we find ourselves in, in corporate South Africa in particular, are very constrained. You know, black African women like ourselves have find themselves in this corporate South Africa with an artificial glass ceiling, you know, that exists, you know, for us. Because if it didn't exist, if this environment were conducive for our growth, for our success, you know, for, for, for our ascension, then the CEE numbers that come out year after year wouldn't be what they are, you know, today. So they are what they are in light of the fact that the states are saying that there is more black African women entering universities, there is more fast graduating, and there is more fast being absorbed into corporate South Africa. But when you walk into boardrooms, you don't see people like you and I. It is precisely because, you know, the sponsorship is not enough, and the environment, more importantly, you know, is not one that is suitable, you know, for 
the growth, you know, of black African women as it were. So if it is not for leaders like Ngati Mohale, then unfortunately you and I, you know, still remain at middle management, you know, and we continue to be candidates uh, for perpetual training without graduation. Thanks. Thanks, Boosie. Absolutely. Um, I mean, that was a tagline in BMF, perpetual training without graduation. It's exactly what we spoke about earlier. Um, you know, you have five degrees and an MBA and you can't get the job. But let me just say, we're going to open the lines now. This is a coup d'etat in real time. I am hijacking Songhezo. He's not He's not going to be given an opportunity to speak. This is my time. Um, it's our time as women, in fact. Um, so if I can then just ask guests to call in. Um, and, you know, just introduce yourself, ask your question or make your point. Um, the contact numbers are 011-714-2006. For voice notes, you can dial or you can send your voice note on WhatsApp to 061-410-4107. And uh, no background noise and under a minute and please be audible if you're going to leave the um, voice note. So I'm not sure, are there any callers on the line? None so far. Okay, so I think, um, Busi, you've made, a, a, you know, you've made so many statements, you've spoken on so many issues, um, and, and you've spoken about this enabling environment. And I just want to, I just want to say something, because as BMF um, leadership, I, I was personally quite disturbed in January this year when um, Basani uh, Maluleke um, you know, I, I use the word resigned in air quotes um, because she did not resign, <laughs> um, you know, and, and it's a very difficult situation to be in because it's vertical in nature. She's now recently um, been appointed to Capitec. We don't know in, 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 you know, in which capacity, but when we as the leadership had a meeting with um, with African Bank, you know, and, and we had, because to speak on this issue of governance and, and board evaluation, um, you know, that it gets done by the same board and and um, that thinks, you know, that can force uh, the first black woman in the banking sector out. I mean, imagine we have so few, we only have one and that one is not given an opportunity to succeed. And I think that's what you spoke about. You spoke about, you know, half of it is getting in and the other half is actually staying in um, and, and, and playing, you know, a long game. So I'm, I'm very interested um, just to hear from, now on Tati Mohali in terms of his response to the statements that that you've made. So over to you, Ntati Mohali. So Charles, you have touched on a number of things, um, including uh, we are stronger together when it's advocated uh, by men, by men mostly. Um, and you said Fervut must be turning in his grave. Um, but you see, the, the issue of women's succession, for me, must be driven by the incumbents. And the incumbents up until today are white male Africaners. The only people who have got the wherewithal, the power, to go and change pay parity on Monday is the current CEO who's made when asked the question to say, let me see how we are paying our women compared to how we pay our men. Therefore, mm. for me, this journey must really produce results because we started with equal employment opportunities in 1971. The late Reverend Leon Howard 
Salugan Jr., who was elected to the board of directors of General Motors Corporation, at that time the largest employer in South Africa. So Salugan used yeah. his position within this corporation to oppose discrimination. Yes. So to this end, in 1977, Salugan created what we then called Salugan Principles. And then we migrated very quickly to the appreciation of diversity and inclusion. And diversity and inclusion needs to be defined in a way that has meaning and purpose within the South African context. And that reflects the particular historical origins of inequality in this country. So to me... Sorry, may I please ask that we we open for callers because I've got about five callers wanting to call and I think they want to engage with you and and Boosie specifically. So do you mind if I could just um, stop you there for a second and open the line to Scully in Durban to ask the question? And then we'll... Thank we'll, 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 Thanks, Scully. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Jasmine, for taking my call and and, and also Segezo and Quincy. My take is I'm just an ordinary guy. Eh? I'm just an ordinary guy, Sengezo and Quincy's friend. Um, my take is now we have the BMF for a quite, quite some time. Why we still have labor brokers? Labor brokers are, you know, eating our country like the looters did. I'm talking about the Guptas and so on. Uh, similar styles. The labor brokers are... You know, that's that's the elephant in the room. Thank you for checking my call. Have a good evening, Jasmine. Bye. Thanks, thanks, Scully. Um, thank you for that note. Um, I, yeah, the issue of the labor brokers definitely came in with the. You know, we're always having various iterations. Um, on the various labor legislations. Um, I, I don't really want to go into that uh, particularly, but but point well taken, and I think. Um, there's a place for labor brokers in certain instances or, or recruitment agents or however they want to call themselves, but on a more rudimentary grassroots level, um, I think the inequality comes when you have a middleman, um, you know, paying, uh, you know, a low, low earning salaried person two rand and they're getting 10 rand. So, so I think that that was where the inequality came in. I'm going to move to Linda Markoma um, from Johannesburg. And Linda, I know, is also uh, part of the leadership at Abasa. So welcome, Linda. Hi, Tasneem. Hi, DP. How are you? Very good, thank you. How are you? Very well, thank you. Um, such an important topic that you have on. And just you are a girl on fire, even having the speakers that you have um, as your guest today. Udat Mohade, in terms of his... Uh, passion about gender transformation and just being a gender activist as a man just says a lot. But I do want to just... She's feminist, um, Linda. Exactly. Linda, I just, wanna, I just want to... Yeah, feminist, yeah. <laughs> yes, and unapologetic about it, you know. Um, and I'm actually quite excited because we have him on a panel tomorrow speaking about the role of men in accelerating gender equity, you know. So, I mean, when you talk about the succession planning and I guess because of your topic as well, in terms of developing a pipeline, because we can talk about needing women in these spaces, but are we developing an environment that makes sure that they are flourishing and we have this pool of women? And as long as I read your, your profile um, at the beginning of the show, and there's not even a question about competence, you know, and we talk about we need women in these spaces, and sometimes we ask the question, but is what about competence, you know, 
or we're worried about all the responsibilities that women have. I think I would like to ask from your guests and perhaps even you know, around the topic of how do we move away from these questions when it comes to transformation and especially gender transformation. And as women, we have all these roles, but we have a strong business case that when you put women at the helm, things move. I think we've proven that as women, right? But how are we now moving away from having to be bottlenecked by questions like those when we actually need to be putting women at the helm and giving, putting this power and money in their hands? Okay, I mean, uh, Sisby, do you want to quickly come in and, and allow, um, just answer quickly, or are we going to, oh, sorry, I've just been told that we, we need to cut now. Okay, so, I'll, uh, so no more calls. Can I continue with the answer for Sisbusi, or shall we just cut the calls now? Okay. Okay, we're moving to an ad break. Bring conventional wisdom on its head. You are listening to Songezomabekle on SAFM. Hi, are we back? Hi, sorry about that. This is live, Ian. It's my first time on radio, so please forgive me if there's a few stumbles. Um, but I'm, I'm, I think, Sis Busi, maybe just if you can come in, and I'm also interested to know um, the answer or rather your response and uh, to what Linda has raised. Sis Busi? Yes, thank you very much. I think Linda is actually raising a very critical uh, question um, around our leadership styles, you know, being questioned. And, 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 and I think that is the gist of, of how I got her question. And, you know, it, it is interesting, you know, because um, leadership styles of men are not necessarily the same, you know, or they don't have a similar leadership style, you know, but you don't get those funny questions, you know, about the right leadership style or an adequate leadership style when it comes to men. And it's actually very interesting to me because I don't know how many of us would have noticed that the country that responded phenomenally well to this COVID crisis and this COVID pandemic that we're facing as the world are those countries that are actually led by women, you know, right at the beginning of this COVID crisis in March 2020. So it was countries like New Zealand, like Denmark, like Finland, like Taiwan, like Germany, like Norway. You know, so it really showed that our feminine skills of inclusion, of relational intelligence, of deep listening, of empathy, of intuition, have been what is required to successfully deal with this crisis. So this, that has been dismissed as soft skills, has interestingly turned out to be the new hard. And maybe let's agree that there is something to be said about gender in crisis leadership. So we therefore need to find ourselves as women in a position where we are not apologetic. Sorry, it seems, have we lost, have we lost Boosie? Okay, sorry about, uh, sorry about that. I, I will try and reconnect uh, Boosie, but there is another caller from Tato in Cape Town. Tato, please come in. Hi, how are you? I hope everyone is well, and thank you so much for the opportunity just to uh, speak on this platform. What I really want to speak about is something very close to my heart, and um, especially around the whole Feminism Act and the whole Women in Power Act, is that, um, my father, who's from Rustenburg, was a nurse for 35 years with a postgraduate and 35 years of experience in his field. 
And uh, over and over and over again in his lifetime, he was over, always overlooked or not promoted because of the woman in line to get his promotion. Even though he had more experience and just more qualification, just for the sake of doing a BE transformation or woman empowerment, he was often overlooked to fill in the role of a matron. So now what I want to know is that, um, like, is he one of those casualties caused due to woman empowerment? Or where do we draw the line whereby we empower women without sacrificing the integrity of a competent person being in that role? Thank you. Thank you, um, Tato. So um, I, I think the best person to answer that question would be um, Ntati Mohali. I, I want to be diplomatic, so let me rather um, allow him to take the, the, you know, to respond to that one. It is a sensitive one, I think. Tati Mohali, are you there? She showed up blame for the barrier yeah. causing bad women. For gender equality and pay parity to take hold in South African global, men must be at the forefront because they are beneficiaries of centuries of patriarchy. It is easier for men to be accepted as leaders in the C-suite, as managing directors, presidents, CEOs, because the system both expects and accommodates them. When men ascend the corporate ladder, the corporate environment is friendly, forgiving, and understanding. So if we are to increase the numbers of women leaders in established companies, men must knock down the entrenched barriers and the proverbial glass ceiling hindering women progress. As men, we should actively, purposefully, deliberately, and consciously push counsel and hold by the hand Africa's women. Thank you. Thanks so much. Um, just a reminder to um, the listeners, the number to call in is 011-714-2006. We now move to Ntebe Ling from Cape Town. Good afternoon. Good evening. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I uh, think you guys are really having an amazing conversation. So my question is in relation to, I guess, in the framework of um, gendered and social inequalities um, and equities um, between men and women. How do we recognize and prevent, I guess, the strain of hypervisibility um, that often gets placed on women? And by hypervisibility, um, I think we see every every year when it's Women's Month, um, there's this like. Oh, like over hypervisibility hyper of women, all women are rather silenced um, by saying, but we have so many women in power, we have so many women in places um, um, of, of authority, be it in politics and business, um, in the corporate sector. Um, and that then gets used as a way of further reinforcing um, various dynamics of power um, and of patriarchy and misogyny um, in ways that really aren't giving women the platform to um, fully talk about issues that are challenging to them in society because then we'll be appointed to people who are rather exceptionalized. So how do you then recognize when hypervisibility um, happens and also when hypervisibility is used as a method of patriarchy and of silencing um, um, women? Fantastic. No, that's a great question. Um, I think that's actually a point that Ms. Mavuso can respond to very quickly in the minute that remains before we take the news break. 
song as well. Unfortunately, I didn't hear that question. Okay, but I think it it speaks to managing the point. I mean, I, um, I, I hope I do paraphrase it pr- appropriately so as to not lose the voice of Ndebaling from Cape Town, who I thank for calling. How do we ensure we manage essentially transition within the space without compromising the talent and without bringing unnecessary appurtenances and attachments to the talent who is being, if you like, transitioned into these spaces where traditionally the talent wouldn't be seen? Thanks, So I think Mbete uh, Mohale, I think, uh, already answered this question and he put it well, you know, to say that the burden is on the incumbent to ensure that they set up these women for success. The burden is on the incumbent to guide, coach, and counsel. You know, these, uh, these women that they've actually identified for succession. So if the leadership that is currently in, 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 in the seat is not going to give the necessary support, is not going to actually, you know, um, a, a, a sponsor, you know, these women to ensure that they them up for success, then it's actually not going to happen. So the leadership that is currently in place, you know, has got the responsibility to facilitate, you know, the success and the easy and and, and, uh, gentle transition uh, of these women into leadership.